Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of the Dead End Sports Podcast. We like to call this the best couple hours of your sports week. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am your host, 12 Kyle, once again, and this is Dead End Sports. If you haven't done so already, make sure that you subscribe to this podcast. This is a weekly podcast that you can catch us just about everywhere. We're on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, uh, YouTube. Uh, make sure that you follow us on all social medias, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, you name it, we're there everywhere. Make sure that you check out our webpage, deadendsports.com, as well as go to our YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash deadendsports. A lot of stuff to cover this week. Of course, I will not be doing this podcast alone. Joining me are the homies. Uh, first up to bat, my homie, BZ430. BZ, what up, though? What up, though? What's up, Kyle? What's good? Chilling, man. Chilling, chilling. What's cracking? Hey, you think you think we should probably golf during the weekday, or you think the weekend would be good? Um, because I have a feeling I'm afraid that if we go on a the weekend, they're gonna pair us with some. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're right. You know, right. When we went on that weekday. We had we we was it was just us two, man. You know, we might need to try to catch a Monday. Also joining us is the homie Ken. Ken, what up, man? Hey, man. Another day, another dollar. Uh, shout out to South Circle. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> another day, another dollar. Make me want to holler. Uh, yeah, man. We we got a lot of stuff to cover, man. Sports. Uh, hopefully, the homie FIFO will be on the way, joining us momentarily. As you all know, the NBA playoffs have started. Um, you know, last week was a rough week, man. Uh, first of all, first and foremost, man, gotta send condolences. Uh, starting off with the uh, NFL, the Pittsburgh Steelers lost. Uh, the great owner and team president, uh, Dan Rooney, um, passed away. I think he was 84 years old. So uh, salute to him and Steeler Nation. Um, condolences to them. Also, man, major condolences to uh, Todd Heap, uh, the former All-Pro tight end for the Baltimore Ravens, uh, who tragically, uh, as the reports say, he was moving his truck and accidentally hit his three-year-old daughter, subse- subsequently killing her. Wow, um, I didn't know that. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, that happened um I think that happened like Friday, no, Saturday, late Saturday, I think. Saturday morning something like that when the news dropped. Man, tragic oh. tragic story. Yeah, man, it was yeah, crazy. Isaiah Thomas sister? I mean, geez. Yeah, and then Isaiah Thomas, yeah, uh you know, shout out to him as well for uh, playing uh in a game and we'll talk about it in just a second, man, but he lost his sister, his 22-year-old sister who died in a one-car accident on Saturday. He subsequently played on Sunday in game one of the uh, <clears throat> playoff game against the Boston, excuse me, against the Chicago uh, Bulls, uh, which leads me to my first point. Um, Barkley made a comment prior to the start of game one versus between the Bulls and the Celtics. Um, and I'll read you his quote. When he was talking about whether or not Isaiah Thomas should play, there were clips of Isaiah Thomas uh, at pregame shoot-around, uh, crying and being consoled by teammate Avery Bradley. Uh, then there was, you know, the they, the Boston Garden did a moment of silence for his sister. Um, 
And then, you know, you saw him in the layup line. He had tears in his eyes or what have you. Uh, now, here's what Charles Barkley had to say, you know, talking about Isaiah Thomas, whether or not he should play in game one after his sister died. He said, quote, I'm not feeling comfortable with him sitting on the sideline crying like that. That makes me uncomfortable. Barkley continued. That tells me he's not in shape to play, to be sitting on the sidelines a few minutes before the game crying makes me uncomfortable for him. That's not a good look in my personal opinion. Now, the question I have, and I'll throw it first to you, B, was he out of bounds or do you have a problem with what he said? Because we, I saw that we tweeted it out from our Dead End Sports um, um, Twitter account, and there was a lot of conversation back and forth. A lot of people were upset with Charles Barkley. They were, there were a few that said that what we tweeted was clickbait and that it wasn't that bad. Uh, so I was interested in, in reading the conversations back and forth between uh, the people that follow us on Twitter. Make sure that you follow us if you don't. So my question would be, was he out of bounds or do you have a problem with what he said? Um, you know, I, I, I was trying to see where Barkley was coming from because, you know, me, you know, myself personally, I've lost a close family, you know, family member as my mother. Mm-hmm. So, you know. For him to say that, you it's, it's almost like I feel like Barkley is telling Isaiah, not really telling, but like saying he should control his emotions. Like mm. when you lose someone close like that, regardless, even if you're trying to hold it in, you just end up letting it out. That's emotion. That's 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 your sister, man. That's your young sister that, you know, you probably he probably was close to her. You know, he probably mm. was real close to his sister. And for him to say that. I just felt like, yeah, that was kind of out of bounds. Um, now, maybe he was looking at it from a standpoint where, like, why is NBA showing him crying in the in the moment of weakness and in in, in showing that he's pretty much vulnerable emotionally? Maybe he was coming from that from that standpoint. But for him to say what he's saying, I just felt like he was like, well, that's messed up. He shouldn't be crying, or he shouldn't like he just telling them how he should feel. Like, dude, that's a close family member. And I don't know if Barkley ever lost anyone close in his family before for him to say that. But regardless, he should not say that, man. I mean, I feel like he was a little out of bounds. And like I said, this is me coming from that personal side because I know how it feels to lose someone, you know, close, a family member that's close to you. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So, yeah, I, that that was – my feelings is coming from a personal experience. You know, I don't, I don't know if I probably would have had that same feeling if I didn't uh, experience a loss like that. But, you know, for someone that's experiencing a loss like that, and I can't imagine – you know, me and my sister, we real cool. We tight. So I can't mm-hmm. imagine how I feel if I lose my sister. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, yeah, man, you can't just tell a brother how he should feel, you know, or how, what type of emotion he's going to feel going to that game. I mean, props to him for playing. Mm-hmm. I didn't think Isaiah was going to play, actually. I mean, I, I don't – my me personally, I don't think I would have been able to play. I understand basketball is your escape, your kind of moment to get away and everything, but – I don't know, man. I think my heart would have been too heavy for me to to play in game one. I think, I, you know, just – and then they say he's going to still play in between games. He's going to go to the funeral, play in one – you know, like play one – I think what, game three and then play, in, play go to the funeral and then play in game four. Or is it mm-hmm. game two and then game three? I can't remember what – I can't remember what in, in between games that – Yeah, they're, they're going to have a funeral in between the games. I, I I think it's between two and three. I'm not sure. Okay, so yeah, like he's playing in game two right now and then you got to go to the funeral, you know – bury or cremate your sister and then play in game that man that's man props to him props to him man like jesus christ but yeah man coming from personal experience i think barkley was a little bit out of out of line in my for my personal taste no doubt no doubt what about you ken what's your take on that man was barkley what was he 
was he okay or was he out of bounds with what he was saying? I think he used the wrong word. Um, okay. I don't think uncomfortable was the word that um, he wanted to use. I think what he was saying is that um, he was concerned about Isaiah Thomas's emotional state mm-hmm. um, because, you know, we saw the video of him just crying his heart out, you know, um, because he lost his sister. And I think what Barkley was doing was expressing concern over his ability to play. And he was he was worried about that. I don't think he was uncomfortable with him crying because that's, I mean, only a fool would say something like that. That you would be uncomfortable with another man crying over the death of a close family member. I don't think Barkley's that insensitive. I think he just he just didn't know how to word it. And and I saw the the outrage on Twitter. I saw every 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 place picked it up. And to a certain degree, I kind of agree with what people are saying. I think it it, it was a little bit of um, clickbait. I mean, it became a story. Um, it became more of a story than I felt it should have been. Um, this was a, a tragic, tragic, tragic. Um, death that happened uh unforeseen uh for a guy that we've you know from afar have grown close to watching him play mm-hmm. knowing his story and to see something like that coupled with what you mentioned earlier Todd Heap killing his three-year-old daughter um it, it was it was a lot of a lot of death man um you know this past weekend I think the story really should have just stayed on Isaiah Thomas Isaiah Thomas playing in the game. His heart is heavy. It's, you know, like B said, an escape for him um, to kind of just get out there and just take his mind off of what happened and to get away. And um, and I think Barkley just didn't get a chance to really articulate what he was trying to say. And unfortunately, people took that and kind of ran with it. And it blew up into this big story. It, it, he was really focusing um, a lot of it on Isaiah Thomas. Unfortunately, he used himself as mm-hmm. a means to do so, and uh, and and that's what. In, in this culture, man, you, you can't say anything when people are jump on you. Talking, about, how are you going to tell this man how to grieve? How are you going to, you know? It's like, did you guys listen to what he said? He just said it wrong. You know, I just wish the best for him. He he's a lot, lot better than I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, no I, just, I wouldn't have played, man. I, I don't think I would have played. Yeah, I both of you you and B made some great points. I think um I, I I like you said, I saw it on Twitter, I saw it from my dead end sports account. Um and I went back and played the clip. And you know, I we all know who Charles Barkley is, and we've been very critical of Charles, particularly on this this uh, podcast and you know we've seen Charles you know just as early as a couple of months you know go at LeBron and you know have I mean have words with players so Charles to me I think where I probably if if Ernie Johnson had said it I probably would have given Ernie Johnson the benefit of the doubt uh, Charles is for me 
I can't speak for you guys. For me, Charles has kind of worn out that benefit benefit of the doubt. Um, so I watched the clip and then I saw the print, what you know, what was said. And when he said it made him uncomfortable, and he first he said uncomfortable, and he said then he came back and said uncomfortable for him, you know, and then he said it's not a good look. Good look for who? You know, that's like you, you like you said, you I you I feel like you really can't tell how someone how they should grieve. I tweeted out, like, I don't know how Isaiah Thomas played in game one. Um, I've never lost a sibling. Um, but and and I don't only about I would do if I was in his situation. I don't want to put myself in that situation to even think about because thinking about it would make you, you know, get emotional even just thinking about it. So, but that being said, I think Charles is out of bounds. And I think, you know, and and I'm told, and I didn't get a chance to check it before we went on air, uh, when the TNT broadcast came on tonight, um, they opened it up and he tried to clarify his statements. Now, at the time of this recording, again, I did not see it, so I can't tell you exactly what he's what he said, but I'm pretty sure by the time you guys hear this, you will will have heard his retraction if there was one. If you were in that room or in that arena with Isaiah Thomas and you're Charles Barkley and he just starts crying, what are you going to say? You're not going to say anything. So when Charles was talking and they showed the clip, Charles said it was like crying before the game, but the clip that they showed was shoot around. Now we all know in the NBA shoot around is four or five hours before the game. Now, yeah, he was teary eyed before the game because they did a tribute. I mean, they did a, a moment of silence before, you know, the game actually tipped. So I give Isaiah Thomas all the props in the world for even playing regardless of, and, and I, I think Jeff Van Gundy said it best. He said, they mentioned on another broadcast, I think it was the warrior in the Warriors game, they said, well, Isaiah Thomas is expected to play. And Jeff Jeff uh, Van Gundy said, who cares? He's like, the fact that he's playing, he said, that doesn't matter. He said, this is a human being dealing with something that is that we all have to deal with. Um, he said, the fact that he's playing doesn't shouldn't matter to us. He said, it's good that he is. He was like, but it really doesn't matter. He said, it's, you have to look at the human side of it. And I think that's where Charles missed the boat. He didn't look at the human side. When they showed the clip of him crying, you can either say nothing or say, well, you know, Isaiah Thomas, obviously, as you can see right here, is emotional. You know, we just want to keep him in our prayers and our thoughts. And that's all you got to say. Now, personally, we could take some offense to there being cameras on Isaiah Thomas to see what kind of emotion that he's showing. We could take offense to that. But Charles, you know, sometimes, man, it's, it's best to say nothing. And I think that's where he missed the boat. When they ran the clip, man, don't say nothing. The 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 visual spoke for itself. Nobody, and I understand that Charles is paid to give an opinion, but sometimes it's best to say nothing. Like B said, you look very hypocritical if you're telling someone how they should grieve or how they should react or how they should, you know, be emotionally. Nobody knows what he's going through, and it's bigger than just this series. It's bigger than just this basketball game. At some point in time, the Boston Celtics season will end, whether or not it's ending in the Eastern Conference Finals, whether or not it's ending in the championship. It's going to end, and Isaiah Thomas has to live the rest of his life without his sister. And there's not going to be any of us that, you know, outside of his family and friends is going to give this thing another, another thought. You know, some people are not even thinking about it tonight. 
you know, but it's going to be brought up. And I, and I understand it. And I get it. They want to make it humanistic. And I understand it. And that does make it humanistic to some degree. But just pray for the man. I mean, sometimes it's best to say nothing. I hate that it became a story about him. Right. That it became a story about Char- Charles Barkley. Well, you know what, Ken, when he said, in my opinion, when he gave the opinion, he made the story about him. So that's why it mm-hmm. took off. If if Charles, let's say Charles sees the clip of him crying, you know, because watching people cry isn't, I don't care where you are in life, watching people cry isn't easy to do, no matter what line of work you're in or whatever the case may be. So what if Charles breaks down and he starts crying? So then... You know, that makes it even more humanistic. But sometimes I just think, man, you just, you just don't have to say anything. You know, sometimes things just, just better left said. And like you said, Ken, yep. when he said, in my opinion, he started talking, he made it about him. And this ain't about you, dog. This is about Isaiah Thomas. This is about his family. This is about. And, and then think about it like this. You know, Isaiah Thomas's family and friends are grieving for the loss of their loved one. And now. And I'm glad that Isaiah Thomas didn't speak to the media because he didn't need to. But now they got to deal with this. You know, they got to deal with the fact that this guy is commenting. You're talking about something that you know nothing about. You don't know who this young lady was. All you know is that she was his sister and they were close. But she could have been, you know, one of the greatest people to walk the face of the earth. So I, I think, you know, Charles, he, like I said, he missed the boat on that one. Sometimes you just got to let stuff play out. Just just be quiet. It's it's best to be quiet than to open your mouth and, you know, sound foolish. And he did, you know, and it's unfortunate. All right, let's move on to the NBA. Uh, <laughs> man, it's always some drama going on in the, in, the, in Gotham City, uh, New York City. Uh, Basketball-wise, man, Carmelo Anthony versus Phil Jackson. Uh, it seems like it's come to a head. Uh, been a rough week for Carmelo, man. Uh <laughs> To say the least, um, last week since we last spoke, uh, Phil Jackson made some comments to the media. Uh, now they, the Knicks season ended obviously with them not making the playoffs. Uh, they had a meeting, you know, exit interviews or what have you with Carmelo Anthony, and Phil Jackson had a chance to address the media. Phil Jackson basically said, you know, he thinks that Carmelo should be able to take his talents and chase and quote chase a championship elsewhere. Uh, so it looks like, you know, Carmelo and Carmelo, you know, kind of clapped back a little bit with a little meme on Instagram, uh, with the crying tears and, you know, asking really. So Phil and Carmelo are at odds. It looks as if Phil is trying to move Carmelo. We know around the trade deadline that they were openly shopping Carmelo. Now, ultimately Phil was the one who decided to give Carmelo Anthony the no trade clause. So B where do you think, do you think that this thing will smooth this out and Carmelo could be in New York or do you think he'll be elsewhere? And if he is elsewhere, where do you see Carmelo playing? Yeah, this ain't going to get smoothed out at this point. I think Melo just need to hit. He just need to hit the reset button. You know, he's he's about to head towards that declining part of his career as far as him being past his prime. Um, he just needed to just be on a team that's that's in, in, on point to be, you know, to win a championship. Go, 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 go play with go play with your boy LeBron, man, in Cleveland <laughs> for, for 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 a cool one million or two million or whatever, how much you can get out of that or whatever, just for some chump change. Um 
do that. Um, anybody that's a contender. I mean, I'm trying to think who else. Like, you know, Chicago, Boston. You know, I don't know. I mean, Milwaukee, a team that's just like right there that can probably use someone that can just get buckets. Um, I, I, I'm not thinking of other teams right now. People will probably come up with some better teams for him. But, yeah, he needs to just Clippers. leave. He need, huh? Clippers. The Clippers. If they keep if they keep that same decor intact or if they let Blake and DeAndre and J.J. Redick and them go? No, if they keep the core intact. Oh, yeah. I mean, if that's the case, yeah, Clippers, yeah. But we don't know. But we we think that squad going to be broken up because they mm-hmm. might not make it out the first round. But um, True, but you know that the, the players collude in the offseason, right? Because CP and Melo are like best friends. So you know that they're talking. And if CP and Melo are talking, CP's probably talking to Doc. So there, so you you can cook something up. You know you what I'm saying? You, you, like, think, you think they can? You think they can bring Melo to Clippers with and still have Blake there, or you think Blake will have to go? I I don't know. See, because at the end of the day, it has to make the trades have to equal out. So you have to hey. ship back the same amount of money that you're sending out that you're receiving in the Melo thing. Hey. So they're probably going to need a third team. They may have to do a signing trade with J.J. Redick with that third team. So there's a lot of moving pieces, but don't rule it out is all I'm saying. Okay. But, yeah, I I do think he needs to get out of New York. I mean, really, at this point, we already saw all the drama that was going on just throughout this entire season as him being a Nick. So at this point, I think he just definitely needs to just go somewhere, go to a contender. And try to get a title in his last what three, four, five years and left in the NBA. No doubt, no doubt. What about you, uh, FIFO? How do you see this one playing out for for Carmelo? Oh, it's a wrap. He, he's he's <laughs> not. Yeah, it's a, it's a wrap. He he's not gonna he's not gonna be a New York Nick at the beginning of the season. I think is is as simple as that. Um, I think the hard part for me is that I was. I was rooting for Phil before Phil got the job. I was like, look, it'd be cool that he would come full circle, win a title as a player in New York, go on to Chicago, win a championship, go on to L.A., win a championship, come back to New York as a GM and win a chip. Um, I think he's done an okay job. I don't think it's been the worst job, but it definitely has not been the best. I think that Obviously, drafting Porzingis was great. I think trying to put a playoff team together around Melo and Porzingis this year, I think you got to give them a good job for that. But as a GM, you can't meddle. You got If you're going to hire a coach, let him do what he does. This whole triangle thing and all of this, Phil is the cause of the problem of the uncertainty, of the chaos, of everything that is negative in New York. It has to it has to do with Phil Jackson. And that should never be the case about the GM. So the so Phil is the primary problem. Melo is not. Melo's just a player. He I, he, I knew he was gonna have to move him. You can't give a superstar player that amount of money. And not have enough, like not have other pieces to build around them. And then if you know that via trade or free agency you have been striking out, then you gotta trade that player before he has too much leverage. And that's what we've seen happen in New York City. So eventually, you know, and I don't think Phil Jackson is handling it in in, in an appropriate way. He seems like a big kid with a big job, but eventually, hopefully, they can just get on the same page. Melo will trade will waive his no trade clause and hopefully Phil does best by him and gets him to a contender. 
What contender would take Melo? I'm not sure. But when we look at the landscape across the NBA, again, I think the Clippers make the most sense. Again, if they can keep that core of CP, uh, Blake, and DeAndre intact. Um, When I look at other teams that are willing to give up young, valuable assets for Carmelo, I'm just like, I wouldn't. Because when you look at all of the influx of talent coming into the NBA, a lot of these young cats are ready. And we can see what they should become. I'm not. I'm not giving you the young guy for Carmella. I'm just not. I'm not doing it. So, in all honesty, I don't know how many teams really want to make a move. Because do you think is Utah going to move any of the young players for Carmelo? They're not doing that. They're not doing that. Indiana's not going to trade Paul George for Carmelo. That's not going to happen. You know, so 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 when you look at the teams across the board, Boston, is Boston going to give up any of those picks? Jalen Brown, they're not doing that. They're not doing that. So I think it's going to be very interesting. I have zero iota of where Melo is going to go, but I just know he's not going to be there at the beginning of the season. Man, he split up from his wife. I mean, y'all, <laughs> come on, man. Thank you, kid. Thank you. <laughs> Y'all know where this is going. Y'all, you know, FIFO gave us the, and, and B gave us the basketball talk. I'm telling y'all <laughs> what this is This is all about. Once Lala got out of the picture, seven years of marriage, he was there for her. And now, and, and you know, I, just to get a little shade room on you, um, apparently got some, some chick knocked up. <laughs> Stripper. But, yeah. So, um, so that's part of it, but. Um, nah, man. Now that they are separated and he has, he no longer has to worry about home. Mellow free to go wherever, so he doesn't have to try and make it work. He doesn't have to sit there and and be be st- stubborn in in the fact that he he's not gonna let Phil push him out. At this point, at this point, Mellow probably want to get out of New York as quick as possible. I think Lala in L.A., though. So I don't think he's going to go to Los nah, Angeles. No, nah, she's in New York. I don't know. I don't really care. I'll, I'll let that all that stuff unfold. All I know is once I saw what Phil said, I saw Melo's response. And then shortly thereafter, I saw that they split. I was like, that's <laughs> it. He's done. And that, that was all I needed to see. You know what, man? I, I think B made a great point. I think FIFA made a great basketball point. I think you made a good point. I think the problem is you, you're missing the bigger picture, Ken. You, you you were going where I thought you were going, but then you just detoured. Carmelo's staying in New York, and I'm going to tell you why. Because he's going to want to be near his kids or his kid. Or I don't know if it's be plural, but he's just got his new kid on the way. But he's going to want to be near that kid. And with this separation and you know we don't know that they're getting divorced i mean he could try and pull a kobe i don't know i mean the best the best of carmelo man um all jokes aside i i could while i thought it was definitely over in new york i'm not necessarily going to rule out new york because obviously carmelo has the final say so and he might try to stay in new york only on the strength of his kid being there um, because with he and Lala being split, you know, he's going to want to be near his kid. Now, if she takes the kid to L.A., you know, that's that, that's up. I could see him with the Clippers. Um, I I thought Phil was 
Phil could have used better words. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I, I'm really not impressed with how Phil has handled himself and handled this team. And I'm not. I'm not even remotely close to being a Knicks fan. But um, I don't think he's done anything. And, and to be honest, I think Isaiah Thomas caught a lot of flack for what he did in New York City for the Knicks. And Phil is people are still like kissing Phil's ass, thinking he's gonna just. You know, change. I mean, like the best thing that I can say to Phil Jackson has done is to have found Porzingis. And I mean, to be honest, the Knicks couldn't mess that draft up because they had the fourth pick. I mean, like, you know, but I don't know, man. It's just it's you, you know it, what, though, Kyle, like he's done a, a lot better job than what Isaiah Thomas did for several reasons. But 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 FIFA, didn't Isaiah get rid of now? You correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't he get rid of the, some of those bigger contracts that guys had and get got those guys off the books and off the payroll no that's what isaiah thomas did he was the one that signed a whole bunch of players to bad contracts that was his doing he was the one that mortgaged the future and traded draft picks okay so so what phil jackson inherited was a mess that he had to clean up you know it, it think about it they don't have a first round pick this year right that was because of isaiah thomas they don't have one next year either I, I, to, to my knowledge, I might be wrong on that one. I might be wrong on next year's pick. I but think I know they, they have one next year, but they, do, they don't have one this year. You're right. Yeah, I know but, they okay, don't so, have one So my question is, is it so much Isaiah Phil or is it James Dolan? First and foremost, it's James Dolan because he, okay. he's the constant, right? He's the owner. He's the one that overall makes decisions. Um, And then I think it was the fact of hiring – Isaiah Thomas and the GM at the time, I can't think of the GM's name, and then firing Isaiah and that whole debacle and everything that happened and then getting Phil Jackson. I think Phil Jackson has made a lot of smart GM moves in terms of getting uh, Derrick Rose on a rental, right? Like the only person he's truly committed to, right, is two players, is Melo and Porzingis, which which are your two best players, which is perfectly fine. Everybody else has either a tradable contract or something that is fair market value. It, he mm-hmm. didn't overpay to get um who's the shooting guard? Courtney Lee. Right? He right. didn't the only person that he probably overpaid on on all these guys that he just recently acquired last offseason is Joe Kim Noah. That's the right. only guy he, he he overpaid. But with the salary increase, is it really that egregious? So I I think he again has done great GM moves. I don't think that he has handled himself with the type of class and cachet that you would expect out of an right. 11 okay so that's that's where i'm going exactly so so he hasn't he hasn't handled it in the best way but as a coach you can get away with some of that stuff talking about xyz in public and this that because that's a coach's perspective but as a gm 95 percent of what you do needs to be handled behind closed doors Phil hasn't done that. Mm-hmm. Also, Phil hasn't done Phil, I think that a lot of times GMs they come to the realization way too late. Mm. When you sign Melo, you have I think there had to be an understanding between you and Melo. Look, bro, we have a very small window. Because it's not like you're 27, you're closer to 37. Okay? <laughs> So, so with that being said, I'm giving you all this money. I'm mortgaging the fact that by me signing you long term, 
I can either make other trades to get other guys here to make us a contender or because you're on the roster, people are going to want to come and play with you. And neither one of those things has transpired. So I don't understand why in the first place he had to give Melo a no trade clause because he could have offered him so much more money than any other team at the time that I think Melo was going to sign with New York anyway. And on top of everything, kind of bringing it back to Ken's point, right, like, I think 80% of the reason why he stayed in New York was for Lala. I don't think the no trade clause had a big deal to do with it. So at the end of the day, it all boils down to Phil Jackson. This is his responsibility. I don't think he should have ever gave Melo that no trade clause. But now that you're in that predicament, he's not handling it the best way possible. You are ridiculing one of the greatest offensive talents this league has ever seen. What do you think you're going to get a return for that, right? It's kind of like when Nerlens, right, but opposite, when Nerlens earlier on in the season was talking about getting playing time in this, that, and a third, and Colangelo had to talk to him like, hey, bro, you got to shut the hell up because <laughs> I already told you I'm going to move you, but by you saying that diminishes your trade value. You can't, like, as a GM, you can't diminish Melo's trade value. You cannot do that. So, look, that's why I'm saying, and, and Kyle, I know you said that you think Melo's going to be there for his son. He don't need to be. How, how many basketball players are away from their children throughout the season? No, he, he doesn't need to be. I, I'm, I, part, of, part of what I said is, is joking. I, I think the basketball aspect of it, he, he would want to be near his son, but I think the basketball aspect of it, if he can go latch on someplace where he can have a legitimate shot of being a part of a contender, I think he'd do it. I mean, you know, there's planes everywhere. He he can get to his son. That's not an issue. But um, I, I, I agree with you, man. I, I think it's it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I just wish that it had been better for him in New York because I think Carmelo at a time, you know, came to New York when, you know, other than Starkmire, there was nobody else trying. I mean, and think about it. New York is wooed. You know, the LeBrons, the Kobe's. I mean, and we have to ask ourselves, did were these guys ever really legitimately thinking about coming to New York to play? And, you know, the one thing we also have to keep in mind, other NBA NBA free agents are watching. So if you're playing Carmelo like this in the media, and keep in mind, Phil Jackson, when he met with the media on last week, that was the first time that he had talked to the media since September. What other GM does that? I mean, so it's 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 a lot of stuff going on here, and 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 so you have to ask yourself, potential free agents, is this an attractive landing spot? Yeah, you could play with KP, you know, but outside of that, are you willing to do with deal with what they're dealing with? And then we're hearing rumblings that the players don't like the triangle offense. So, you know. I, Phil isn't necessarily making the Knicks look any better by what he's doing publicly. So going to war with your star, that ain't what you want to do. That's all I'm saying. It's just, it's not, and people, you made a great point. I just, it's not a good look. It's not a good, it's particularly down the road. And like I said, you got the situation with the players not necessarily wanting to buy into the triangle. Uh, and then, you know, looking at how Phil has treated his star, who wants to, what free agent is going to want to say, hey, let me sign up for this? Probably not as many as they would like. So we'll see how it plays out. Um, last, before we get out of here, we got a, uh, and, and do our final thoughts, we got a question in um, from someone on Twitter. 
Uh, shout out to everybody hits up hit hits us up on Twitter. If you have any questions or things that you want us to talk about, I know we're not doing the live show anymore, but shoot us a tweet, uh, shoot us an email. Uh, we'll try to get to it, and you know if we can, we'll answer it on the podcast. Uh, but uh, one of our followers writes in from South Africa. They said, "Why do people hate LeBron, and why don't they just appreciate him while he is still playing?" Uh, FIFO. What's your take on that, man? What was that? I'm sorry, I missed it. He said, why do people hate LeBron, and why do they not just appreciate him while he is still playing? You, you, you know, I, when I saw that question, I was like, people, the only the only way I can explain it is like this. Dead in hip-hop, and me, myself, FIFO 24-7, nowhere near the level of LeBron. You don't understand how much hate that we had to endure to get to where we are. And people are just, a lot of people are just hateful by nature. I can't explain it. I, I, I don't understand it. When you see the excellence that is LeBron James from the moment he stepped on the court. I don't, I don't understand it. You just have to embrace it. And a lot of people just are haters by nature. And and I and that's I think that's the core root of why people don't like LeBron because LeBron challenged everybody's idea of what the greatest basketball player should look like, right? Because before LeBron, it was Michael Jordan, and Michael Jordan set the bar so high that nobody ever thought anybody could even smell that mountaintop. And LeBron has done it. So I think that he just ruffled a lot of people the wrong way because it was way too damn quick. I'm talking about this man was in the finals by year five. What other basketball player has done that? This man has already played more minutes than Michael Jordan, the greatest player ever. I think to me what LeBron has done, he has accomplished almost more than any other basketball player to play the game up until this point in his career. So at the end of the day, the only thing I could take away from that when I really try to think about why people hate LeBron is just because deep down, most people are just haters. Hey, Vivo, you said who's who's been to the finals after their first five years? I'm, I'm just saying, like, in, in comparison to, like, MJ. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it took MJ a lot more, a better team, to reach the same mountaintop that LeBron did. Is all I'm saying, comparing those two guys. Oh, okay. No, uh-huh. I know there's other players that have made it relative. Because Magic made it in his rookie year. He won. Right. And he, had to know, play, and he started at the he five. Play, he had to play five positions because Kareem was out. Exactly. So no, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that what LeBron has done has never been done, except for one thing that he's done now: uh, come back from three-one in the finals. I don't well, think that's ever going to happen. No, again. that's not. That's never happened in the, in the NBA finals ever. No, yeah. not 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 again. That's definitely not happening. But all I'm saying is is LeBron came with the biggest bullseye on his back. And all he's done is exceed our expectations. And when you compare him to the the arguably the greatest player, which I still think he is right now, be, just because he's undefeated in the finals. You know what I'm saying? I think Bron got to get more championships than, than Jordan for people to just put LeBron over Jordan. And they're still going to hold his losses against him. But 
I just think that I've never seen a player do more with less because of how how great he is individually in putting the ball in the basket, but also how he makes the players around him better, right? Because when we think about Magic, one of the greatest to ever play, we think primarily on how he made everybody around him better. When we think about MJ, we think about all of the clutch shots and how he was just that great that he elevated his team, not necessarily the players around him. LeBron does both. I, I've never seen a guy so physically dominant be so selfless and can be able to get you 30. Like I, I just I have not seen what LeBron is is truly unique. We just need to watch what he's doing and just appreciate it. Stop comparing him and just appreciate who LeBron is because he is one of the all-time You're not going to see a better overall basketball player than LeBron James. And you, people just need to stop hating and accept what he is. I'm sorry, B. I'm sorry. No, no, for no, no, no. You good? You good? <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I know. I guess as human nature, we're gonna always like kind of do the comparisons and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I'm always for like you know why we why sometimes I'm like why do we always gotta compare this guy to this guy? Why we gotta like it's like why can't we enjoy? You know, like when Kobe was retiring, you know, and he went out with his 60, you know, points. It was like, wow, that was like the end of an era. So, like, why can't we appreciate that for what that is? Like, you know, some people always want to say, oh, compared to Jordan, of course, because his game was similar to Jordan's. But, like, why why can't we, you know, because growing up, I know me personally, I know, you know, I'm pretty sure Ken and Kyle can say on this, too, as far as FIFO, too, and FIFO. But, like, we appreciated Isaiah for Isaiah. We appreciated mm-hmm. Bird for Bird. We appreciated Magic for magic, you know, so we appreciated, you know, uh, you know, Scotty Pippen, Grand Hill, Penny, you know, Shaq, like we appreciated those guys, you know, for their greatness and what they brought to the game. And, and you know, one thing sometimes I do hate about like players now is that we're so quick to compare them to that to that bar, that standard, that so-called standard that's set with, you know, Bird, Magic and Jordan or whatever. And it's like, why can't we enjoy their greatness? Why? I can enjoy, even though I wasn't a fan of Kobe, but I can still, as a ba- as a guy that's a basketball a lover for basketball, I can appreciate and respect what Kobe has done for the game of basketball. May not be such a, a big fan of Kobe himself, but like I was still a fan of and respected Kobe as in his greatness. Same way with LeBron, I'm expect I'm I'm respecting LeBron and his greatness. You know, Kevin Durant and his greatness, even though he hasn't won a championship, but I'm still like, guess what? That dude is still great. You know what I'm saying? So same way with Iverson. You know, Iverson they won championship, but we still looked at Iverson as being great. Um, so yeah, I mean, like people said, man, people said a lot. You're gonna have the haters. You're gonna have you're gonna have um, you know players that or people you're not gonna appreciate until either they're gone or they retire from the game. Look at Allah Muhammad Ali. You know, people hated Muhammad Ali. Mm-hmm. So when he retired or when he couldn't talk and speak none no more, all of a sudden. Ali was the most loved boxer of all time, and he was not getting that same love in the 80s and 90s and to, to now as he was in the 60s and 70s. You know what I'm saying? So I think, that, and I say the same thing about Floyd Mayweather. I think Floyd Mayweather, once he's like really, really done with boxing, I think people are going to look back and say, you know what? Damn, Floyd was freaking great. But while he was fighting, all you heard was he was born. He was born. He was born. Same way with LeBron. I mean, you know, I don't like LeBron extra theatrics as him flopping and stuff, playing ball. 
But I love what LeBron does off the court, what he does for 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 the kids and the youth off off court. And I mean, and still, I still think LeBron is a great player. I still think it's more that he could he could have done in his game to make him scary. But I still think LeBron is still a great player. He's going to go down as one of the greats, you know, once his career is all said and done. He's going to be damn near like top 10 in every statistical category when it comes to rebounds, steals, assists, and points and all that stuff. So, and blocks. So it's like, it's crazy, man. But, um, yeah, you know, you're going to have the haters. It's like if you. If you a Kobe lover, you can't be a LeBron lover. It's like I never understood that man. It's mm-hmm. like why can't mm-hmm. you? Why can't you appreciate both of them? You know what I'm saying? Why can't you like both of them? What they are? It's like oh, you like Kobe, so you can't like LeBron. Or if you like LeBron, or you can't like Kobe, you can like them for both of them, man. You can like both of them for different reasons. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, it's it's crazy, man. It, you know, it's it's we like Shaq and Akeem Olajuwon for two different reasons. You know what I'm saying? Even though you might like one a little bit more than the other, but you still. You still appreciate their greatness for different reasons. You know what I'm saying? I can still I still see the same way being with LeBron, man. You can still appreciate LeBron for what he's what he's done for the NBA since he's been in. And you know, and for his off the court stuff, man. So you 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 cannot deny that. So, you know, people just calm down. You you going like people said in the beginning, you're going to have haters. You know what's funny, man? I don't even I I I think that people don't know why they hate LeBron. Sometimes, <laughs> you, right. know, you know, I think that's partly part of what what the LeBron hate is. Another is, you know, the the um, the king, you know, coming out how he was anointed without winning anything. People didn't like that. He challenged Jordan, mm-hmm. like FIFO said, the idea of what greatness is. Also, two sits and oh, also, yeah. also too, can to piggyback off your point. I think LeBron is kind of like really like one of the first first players that we're seeing that's really like controlling his destiny throughout his whole NBA career which no question you know what I'm I mean if that if I if I'm saying that correctly no like, no you're making like, total sense you're like, right. I, I think we're really seeing someone like LeBron and he's a, and he's an African American a black dude who's really controlling his moves, whether his business move, player like moves, whatever, he's really controlling his destiny. And I don't think we never really saw, saw that from an NBA player. We've never seen Kobe really control his destiny. We've never really seen Michael Jordan like really control his destiny in his NBA career like the way LeBron has been handling it. You know what I'm saying? So I think that could be another reason too, Ken. Yeah, it, it could be. The latter part of Kobe's career is when I matured as a basketball fan. And that's when I sat back and I and I realized that Kobe was nearing the twilight of his career, and I was like, I'm just gonna sit back and enjoy this dude for who he is and what he brings to the game, and um, and it just made basketball, watching basketball, that much more fun for me, that much more enjoyable. And and I remember when all of the hype. And I think part of the hype was a lot goes into a lot of the hate. I remember the hype around LeBron, and I, I'll never forget, man. I watched that first game. I was like, "Yo, this dude is legit." I normally don't like superstars like LeBron. Um, that's just not me, man. I like kind of guys like Kawhi, you know, uh, Tim Duncan, you know, those quiet assassins that just go out there and just do the work. Um, but LeBron is one of the first guys that I've ever liked. You know, the actual best player in the NBA. And LeBron challenged a lot of people's basketball heroes. 
And they were uncomfortable with that. And people don't know what, and I'm going to go back to what, what Ralph said, and people are uncomfortable with the fact that there may be a player better than Michael Jordan that's not 6-0. They hang their hat on Jordan's perfect record in the finals, and and that's all. And people don't know what greatness looked like beyond that. And because they have been told their whole life that Jordan is the GOAT, and that's it. And when you challenge that, people get a little uneasy. And you can make a lot of valid, valid arguments for LeBron being the best basketball player of all time. It's a debate. It's probably a highly intense debate. But I think it's one that can be had, and people don't know how to deal with that. We know that the decision had a lot to do with it. People didn't like mm-hmm. it before then, but the decision... I think, huh? I, I, think the, I think the decision and his output in the Dallas Finals... I think those are definitely like a kind yeah, of. But that was wasn't that a long time ago though? I mean, relatively speaking, they hold still, it against it's, him. It's still a part of his career though. Like it's yeah. still, and it was an NBA final. Like in the way he shut down in NBA in that in, in that particular NBA finals. That that yeah yeah. But you know what? I think that was like that was that was the LeBron haters moment. Of course, you go into, you, the decision. You go to Miami. You're front yep. running a lot. You lose in the finals. Hey, see, you'll never be Jordan. You're owing to ha 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 ha. Not the fact he lost, the way he played and just the I know. way that but, that was you can't explain that, that. You can't, but that was a disappointment to like like for me, I was disappointed. You know, I'm sure Ralph was disappointed. I let him speak for himself, but I was disappointed. You know, if you follow LeBron, I, and especially as a Wade fan, because I'm like, I was extremely disappointed because I'm like, what are you doing? Because we needed you to win that thing. Wade was playing his ass off. And this dude I remember, just... I do, I remember being happy for kids. <laughs> I mean, as a basketball I was, I was always, yeah. I was, always, I was a J. Kidd fan for a long time. So I was kind of happy to see him finally, like, get one. But nevertheless, man, like, I think that was it. I think that was the lowest of the low for LeBron. It um, was. Because that it really was the year. And I think after that, it, it, things started to change. And once he started to win, he, he, he converted a lot of people over. There are people that still hate, but that's just that just comes with the territory. Um, but to answer the question, I think you know I think we've all presented a lot of different points for why people hate LeBron, and I think all of them are are, are very 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 valid. And um, huh? Oh, nothing. No, what you say? <laughs> I said I said that's because we the shit. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> I think, and I think we've talked about this off air before, um, but it goes back to something that you said, Ken, the maturity of the fan. Um, I don't know. I don't know how you can watch LeBron James play, how he carries himself on and off the court and not like what you see, unless you're just a low bottom hater. I mean, like I just... (laughs) And here's the thing, like you don't this is the thing that I want every everybody listening to understand. You can like LeBron and not necessarily be a Cavs fan. I am a Hawks fan. So LeBron does not play for my team. 
Four times a year, he has to play against my team. I don't openly root for LeBron or the Cavs or anybody for that matter. But I tell you what, if I walk in my house and I know LeBron is playing and it's on my TV screen, I'm watching. Why? Because he's great. Why would I not want to watch great players play? I don't think I think there's a, a I think there's a segment of this generation and it's not necessarily I'm not necessarily talking age group, but just the, the current generation that we're living in that just they don't understand the history. And if you don't understand the history, you don't understand what he is doing has not been. I mean, like you watch LeBron play, right? And you look up, you look at the stat score, and he's got 37 points, nine rebounds, nine assists, three steals, four blocks. Those are killer numbers. But here's the thing. that In that game that you watched, he made it look so effortlessly. We've seen people score 30 points, and it took them a lot of buckets to get 30 points. But LeBron makes it look so easy. You know, I am one of the people that grew up idolizing, loving Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan is the greatest, in my opinion. You know, if LeBron surpasses Michael, you know, I'm not going to cry in my cereal about it. But I will say this much. Off the court, he has surpassed, and he may not, his shoes may not sell like Jordan's 20 years later, but he has done more and will do more off the court than Michael Jordan has ever done. To this point in his lifetime, LeBron is good as far as that's concerned, as far as his philanthropy philanthropy off the court now when you get to the basketball aspect of it he is a great player and you can like a great player that doesn't necessarily mean you have to hate him you know you can watch Steph Curry play and enjoy him playing there's only going to be one Steph Curry there may be some that come along that may be better but there's only one Steph Curry just like there's only one LeBron James you look at what LeBron represents not only in his business, but how he handles himself off the court. He's married. He's got kids. He don't have. He's not knocking up strippers. <laughs> he doesn't do drugs. You know, he doesn't. You know, you've never heard about him getting in any kind of trouble. You know, he doesn't roll with an aunt. His his friends are his business partners that have meetings with people like Warren Buffett. They're not in the club. You know, shooting at people. So I don't, you know, when people talk, and we grew up in an era, the, the four of us grew up in an era where people wanted athletes to be role models. And I think that's asking a lot, but they wanted athletes to be role models. And Charles Barkley famously said in his commercial, I'm not a role model. But this is point A as far as a role model. If, if I had to tell my kids, hey, go be like, go be like LeBron. I mean, I don't know what more LeBron could do for people not to hate. You should be embracing LeBron for who he is now, I've much like you guys. I've heard the criticism. Oh man, he shouldn't have joined up with with D Wade and Bosh. Nobody, you know, Jordan and Magic would have never done. We don't know that. We don't. I mean, let's just be real. We don't know that. At the end of the day, LeBron James is a winner. He is one of the greatest. He's one of the the greatest basketball players that we'll ever see. Why that is? Why why people hate on that? I don't. I, to be honest and answer the question, I don't have a clue. Because there's not. Re- if you look at it on the surface, there's really not a lot there to hate. To be honest, there's real. I mean, like there's really not a lot there to hate unless you're just a low bottom hater. Um, it's time for our closing statements, man. It's time for us to close out the podcast. Uh, as I mentioned at the top, man, thank you for listening and tuning in, downloading, subscribing. More importantly, share with your friends. Tell a friend to tell a friend. 
of the Dead End Sports Podcast. Uh, FIFO, I'll throw it to you, man. What's your uh, final thought? Man, whenever it comes to tragedy, I think you should always err on the side of caution and thinking mm-hmm. before you speak. Mm-hmm. I feel what Charles Barkley said was a bit insensitive, and I didn't understand the perspective he was coming from. I've never lost a family member, but I've lost somebody really, really, really close to me that you could basically call a brother. And when that happened, the emotions that ran through me, I, I couldn't I couldn't explain. And all I know is that that version of me, if I had to go play a game, I couldn't do it. So what Isaiah Thomas is doing is extremely heroic. And I think that basketball right now may be his only salvation. To say so, that you would be uncomfortable, maybe he misspoke, but I think that those were the wrong words to say with a touchy subject such as the Isaiah Thomas situation. Not knowing where a player's mind state is is fine, but when you're that close to a teammate, because obviously you guys have been together for at least the last six to eight months every day, flying from this city to that city, going to practice, talking about strategy, talking about X, Y, Z, that you should be comfortable in comforting that teammate. So, again, I don't know what Barkley was going for, but sometimes you need to think before you speak. There it is. There it is. Our boy B, what about you, man? Um, your closing thoughts. Um, closing thoughts. I'm trying to find a date for this, but I am so excited and so looking forward to this. 30 for 30 is doing a two-part documentary of the Lakers and Celtics rivalry in the 80s. Okay. Wow. Um, okay. And I, I want to say it's like in June, like a little bit after the NBA Finals. I'm, I was trying to find a date for it, but I can't find it. But, um, yes, I, th- we all know 30 for 30. Man, ESPN has grabbed onto these, and these things has been nothing but gold, uh, these 30 for 30 documentaries. I think I, I am so – I haven't been so anticipating 30 for 30 since the Bad Boy Pistons one when they did that one. Um, but, yeah, they did the Fab Five, you know, um, Allen mm-hmm. Iverson situation, Michael Jordan playing ba- – retiring, playing baseball, coming back, like – Magic, um, Shaq and the Penny, uh, prime years, I mean, young years, and I mean, it, it's so many, it's so, you know, the the great five part documentary of OJ Simpson. I mean, these 30 for 30 had the, the, the XFL, they've made some great documentaries, and they're doing one on the 80s decade of the Lakers and Celtics rivalry. That is going to be awesome. A two part documentary that is going to be so dope, man. I cannot wait. Childhood Memories is about to be upon me again and i can't wait to watch it so i'm I'm looking for it no doubt no doubt what about you ken final thought starlin Marte was suspended for 80 <laughs> games uh because he was on that juice um he violated the major league baseball um drug policy and and he's gone um he tested positive for something called nandrolone and um and he's basically cost his team uh pretty much half the season man let's listen here guys i i i don't know like i don't understand how you guys keep testing positive for this stuff and claiming that it's a mistake and you didn't do enough research 
<laughs> you have to take whatever it is that you may decide to take and go to whoever is doing this testing or whatever the league is and say, excuse me, is this okay? And try to get some type of documentation saying that it is. Because if you just do it by yourself, and we know drugs and these things are, are chemicals that are mixed up in in all kind of sort of ways, and and because of that, any of it can trigger a positive test, even though it may not necessarily be listed. It's the it's the it's, it's the it's the actual chemicals and stuff like that. So that's how people get caught up on taking something that's that has a, a that they think they that's clear um, because they just didn't know. Do your googles. Uh, keeping with the theme of baseball, man. This past uh, Saturday, uh, Major League Baseball celebrated. Uh, the 70th, 70th anniversary of Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier in baseball. While that is a you know historic and monumental occasion, uh, not just for baseball but for all sports, a couple of numbers that they threw out, man, kind of made me sad. Um, Major League Baseball has a color issue. Uh, we've seen it transpire over the last couple of years, but the number that is really depressed me was the number 62. 62. That number represents the number of black baseball players on the active roster uh, when Major League Baseball started a couple of weeks ago. 62 of 868 players. Now, that is crazy because that only makes up 7.1% of the players in the Major League Baseball. And that's the lowest percentage that baseball has seen since 1958. Now, if you've got 62 players, and I'll break them down. Eight starting pitchers, five relievers, five first base, five first bla- first basemen, six second basemen, four shortstops, and thirty-four outfielders. That's it. Like I said, seven point one percent of Major League Baseball. Now, to the average fan that isn't black, you know, they probably don't see the fact that there's a color issue because when they look on the field, they see brown men but they ain't black. And while Major League Baseball has made great strides in in bringing over, you know, players from the Dominican Republic, from Cuba, from everywhere in South America, you got homegrown talent right here in the United States that needs developing and you need to just like we reached out to our Latin brothers, we have to reach out to the brothers here. Because we don't want to get see a situation where Major League Baseball doesn't have the color in it. And I think if you really, really want to honor Jackie Robinson, Major League Baseball has to do whatever it can to get that number up. Because at, at this point in 2017, 62 black players just ain't enough. That's going to do it for me, for B, for Ken, for FIFO. You have listened to another edition of the Dead End Sports Podcast. I'm your host, 12 Kyle. We'll catch you guys next time. Peace. 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 Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.